Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Sunday, November 26th, day 51 of the war with Hamas. Amanda Borsal-Dan here with our editor, David Horvitz, and health reporter, Renee Gert-Zand. Hello to you both. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Hamas released a second group of hostages, 13 Israelis and four Thai nationals last night. David will discuss the chaos of their release, as well as Israel's determination to restart the offensive operations after the four-day truce. Renee is here with how the medical teams prepared for the hostages' release and organ donation among fallen soldiers. All this and more when we're back. You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines. Massacre in Gaza. Genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning. Without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So... Educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hila Rotem, age 13, but not her mother Raya. Emily Hand, age 9. Noam Or, 17. Alma Or, 13 not their father or cousin, Noam Avigdori, 12, and her mother Sharon Avigdori, Shoshan Haran, Adi Shoham, her children Yahel and Neve Shoham, but not their father Tal, Shiri Weiss and her daughter Noga Weiss, but not her father Ilan, Maya Regev, age 21, but not her brother Itai. Eight children, four moms, one young woman were released last night in utter chaos. David, tell us about how the events unfolded last night with their release. Well, the way you've described it is, is accurate, Amanda. The, the framework in which these releases are playing out is a um, minimal four-day um, halt in the Israeli military campaign in Gaza, uh, in the course of which Hamas is supposed to release 50 hostages, 12 or 13 a day, uh, but to get to 50 by the end. It could possibly be extended by another day or two or even three if Hamas comes up with more hostages, we are told. And every day Israel releases three Palestinian security prisoners uh, for each of the hostages um, who are who, who go free. Um, that's the framework. The timing is meant to be that this process begins every day at 4 p.m. And by the way, in the course of the evening, the list of the next day's hostages to be freed is released. Um, this This timing has been off from the very start. I mean, this process was supposed to begin on Thursday. Um, it did not begin on Thursday. It was delayed for 24 hours. So then it did begin on Friday uh, with some delays and confusion. Uh, last night, however, the second day of actual releases, um, it did not begin uh, at 4 p.m. or anything like 4 p.m. And we had several hours of um, complete confusion. Uh, it was 
I think, clear at the time and certainly clear in retrospect that Hamas, uh, big shock, is using every psychological means that it can to make life miserable for the families of the hostages, for the Israeli nation as a whole. Uh, it's it's more widely um, understood to be trying to drag this lull in fighting out to maximize the fuel and other aid that comes in and to make it harder for the Israeli army to resume the campaign. Uh, so last night, the um, the word coming out of Hamas was that Israel had breached the deal because it wasn't releasing the Palestinian prisoners it was supposed to. Israel had breached the deal because it wasn't delivering the fuel and humanitarian aid uh, that it was supposed to. Both uh, allegations um, firmly denied by Israel. Adding to the confusion about what was happening was the fact that at one point Hamas itself said um, that it had handed the Israeli hostages to the Red Cross inside Gaza. And then very soon afterwards, the same um, Hamas sources or officials or whatever you want to call them said, actually, we're um, suspending the deal. You know, we reached a point in several hours of, of confusion where um, the best connected um, officials and um, the reporters with whom they are in touch uh, acknowledged that they had no idea what was going on. Uh, was this deal going ahead? Was it going to be salvaged? Was Hamas really breaching the deal and seeking to breach the deal? You had reported threats uh, from Israeli sources that if the hostages were not freed by midnight, the truce was over and the Israeli army would resume its campaign. Um, you had a security consultation with the prime minister and the heads of the various security agencies. You clearly had um, pressure uh, on the intermediaries, the Qataris, the Egyptians. You had President Biden making phone calls to the Qataris. You had the Israeli security chiefs who've been interacting with Egypt and Qatar, trying to work out what was going on and I assume um, issuing ultimatums of their own. And in the end, uh, the deal proceeded yesterday. So phase two of the of the four days, if you like, uh, went ahead. It was a pretty horrible process. I mean, confusing for reporters and people trying to, to explain to the world what was going on. But think of the families. Uh, they'd been told that their loved ones were coming out. Um, in, in many cases, they had gone to hospitals to meet their uh, loved ones ahead of their anticipated release. And then for several hours, it just wasn't clear at all whether this was going to happen. Hamas claimed that Israel has abrogated the deal, but it seems pretty clear that Hamas itself did in the release of Hila Rotem without her mother, Raya. We've never seen a full document, as far as I know, of what the details of the deal are. But one of the lines, as far as I understood it, was that children would not be released without their mothers. How is Israel taking this? Look, as you rightly say, um, we've not seen um, a document. We've not seen a signed document. I'm not sure there is a signed document with Israeli and, and uh, Hamas signatures on it. I'd be very surprised if there was. Um, but we've heard understandings and ostensible elements of the arrangements. We've seen the, the agreement that the Israeli cabinet uh, voted through. Uh, but that's not the same. So we understand that there was an obligation, is an obligation, that Hamas will not release children without their mothers. We do not understand it to be the case that they will not release children without their fathers, as was also the case last night. But there is one case last night, indeed, where um, where a daughter came home without her mother. And that's a breach of the understandings as far as we know. And yesterday, already early in the day, it was clear that Israel was trying to preempt that. And, and there was talk initially of 14 hostages being freed. Hamas chose not to free that 14th hostage, that mother. 
Um, we don't know why. Is that because they actually don't have her in their hands? Is it because they're playing, you know, psychological games with Israel? We'll know at some point, I assume, uh, or maybe we never will. But yes, that was apparently an ostensible breach of the understandings. Or is it because she experienced things that Hamas doesn't want to let out to the world? That's also a possibility. Now, here in Israel, there are those who are very eager to restart the ground offensive, even as in the international sphere, it appears that many countries are trying to pressure Israel to, yes, lengthen the four-day truce into a six-day truce into a many-day truce. How are we dealing with that here, too? So I would say that there is, I'm not saying universal, but very, very widespread um, belief in Israel that the ground offensive, the military campaign is nowhere near done and needs to be. Um, in other words, Hamas has not been dismantled or destroyed um, and therefore it remains a threat to Israel. Uh, it could potentially um, do something like October the 7th again if the Israeli army were not to uh, continue or were to pull out of Gaza, our enemies would not be deterred and Israelis would not feel safe to return to areas close to the borders, which is basically everywhere in Israel, let's face it. Um, at the same time, there's near universal sense in Israel that whatever can be done to bring home hostages, uh, even if that means delaying the resumption of the military campaign, should be done. And you've heard the Israeli political leadership really shift on that and standing behind that. Whatever we can do now... Yes, that's why this deal has a provision, as far as I understand. Again, nothing is completely clear for it lasting up to 10 days, in which potentially, I don't know, 130 hostages in theory could go free. I don't think Israel thinks that Hamas has or has tracks on 130 hostages. But again, so much that we don't know. Uh, but we heard yesterday Egypt, Qatar, ostensibly suggesting that, yes, there is reason to think that the lull in fighting might last for another two days beyond the four uh, in other words, that 70 hostages might ultimately be uh, released in the framework of this particular deal. We don't know. We do know that the government would, it seems, be open to that if it is credible, if Hamas is uh, indeed able to release more than 50 hostages. So far, we're, you know, we're not there yet. We got the first day, got done okay. The second day was slightly less comfortable, uh, uh, but ultimately got done, you know, Day three first, then day four, and and then you know we'll we'll know if there's going to be a day five or a day six. But the other part of that uh, um, issue, the other part of the question you asked, the international community, most of it um, wants a ceasefire. Um, it doesn't want more devastation uh, wreaked upon Gaza, and it is not sympathetic to the truth, which is that this is a terrorist army government that is abusing and sheltering behind its own people, some of whom are sympathetic to its cause and some of whom are not. Uh, I couldn't begin to break that down for you. That has entered our country, slaughtered people in their homes, and now cries out to help for the international community as Israel attempts to stop it being able to do that again. The army insists that it is able and ready uh, to resume the operation. And the key backer that Israel has in this is the United States and especially uh, um, President Biden. I mean, he gave a, a lengthy press conference at the weekend in which he talked about wanting to extend the ceasefire. This was misreported in some quarters as him seeking to end this conflict altogether. He's not saying that. He in that same appearance, made clear, first of all, he doesn't trust a word that Hamas says, and second of all, that, yeah, Hamas has to be eliminated. He's backing Israel in a return to the military operation, to the ground offensive, once 
the possibility of securing the release of other hostages in this phase of the deal, at least, is exhausted. David, there's not much that we know about the release tonight, but tell us what you do know or hope for. Yeah, there are things that we think we know that we are um, trying to be sensitive and responsible in not reporting. Uh, and this has been the case for the first two phases as well. It's There's been a pretty good idea on both of the previous days, and there is today, of who is on the list. The families, remember, are informed. Uh, so, you know, there's a certain amount of knowledge and an awareness that this is Hamas. Um, these are the people who took the hostages. These are the people who murdered hundreds of people in in the communities where some of the uh, hostages are now being brought back. And therefore, yes, although, look, we saw, we saw um, individual kibbutzim where uh, on day one and day two, almost all of the hostages came from there. It is our sense that something similar is likely to play out this evening, and we should leave it at that. David, thank you for all of that. Thanks. We'll go to a short break. Do you appreciate Times of Israel podcasts and our truly independent journalism reported directly from wartime Israel? Has the Times of Israel become important for your understanding of Israel and the Jewish world during this time of rising global anti-Semitism? If so, please join others like you who support our work by joining the Times of Israel community. For as little as $6 per month, you'll get an ad-free experience of our site and apps, exclusive TOI community content, and most importantly, you'll become partners of ours in ensuring media coverage of Israel that's professional, factual, and fair. For more information and to join, just go to timesofisrael.com slash join. One of the tasks left to the medical community is to realize how to process and care for the hostages who are released. No one can forget the stories from the Holocaust of American soldiers reaching the concentration camps and feeding the survivors there who immediately died from overfeeding. So there are various things that the medical profession is aware of now and trying to overcome. Renee, tell us a little bit about what you know. So first, I'd actually like to say a few words about the condition of the hostages as they have returned home uh, in the last two days. Uh, we see that they're in relatively good shape, which is is really has made all of Israel very happy. Um, in fact, only one hostage, one former hostage, Maya Regev, 21 years old, who is at Soroka Medical Center, will require uh, surgery or several surgeries, but she will. Uh, she's expected to recover. She's expected to be completely fine after that, at least in terms of her physical health. We know that the uh, former hostages are expected to stay in the hospital for a few days, but uh, they're expected to be able to go home to their communities and their families uh, relatively soon. The medical community that's taking care of them does see that they are uh, somewhat undernourished, which would be expected, and that has to be dealt with. An older woman reported that all that uh, she had to eat in the last two weeks was rice. In terms of receiving the former hostages at Israel's hospitals, the uh, health ministry and the welfare ministry 
as early as October 7th, began putting together protocols for how to do this in the most effective way in terms of the hostages' physical health and uh, psychosocial health. One of the things that you referred to is refeeding syndrome. Uh, There was a real fear that the hostages would come back very malnourished. And uh, in that case, you have to be incredibly careful how uh, food and fluid are reintroduced, because if a person who is malnourished uh, gets bombarded with food and uh, drink, their body can react very badly, and it's potentially fatal. Uh, so the doctors were really prepared for this. They they reviewed this. They practiced it. Uh, they also, uh, unfortunately, had to uh, prepare for documenting rape if that was the case, if there was every, any evidence of rape uh, or if any of the hostages disclosed uh, rape, then that would have to be taken care of to document it uh, for war crimes. And the approach, although there were strict protocols about just about everything, the underlying message was that each hostage had to be uh, treated as an individual. And in terms of giving them their space, some might not want to be touched, hugged, uh, others might want to be embraced right away. And actually, what we're seeing from television reports is that, uh, at least what we can see is that many of them are very happy to be embraced, even by IDF soldiers who received them at at their first point uh, coming into Israel. So uh, we're just very glad to see that the protocols are in place uh, and being used, but that everyone is doing, seems to be doing quite well. You wrote a very in-depth piece looking at five different families whose sons fell in battle and their organs were donated. Not in every case did they fill out the organ donation card ahead of time, and the families had to make this very tough decision. Can you tell us about one family like this? If you don't mind, Amanda, I'd like to mention two two soldiers, because I think uh, it's important. Uh, one is Master Sergeant uh, in the Reserves, Na'aran Asher, who was 33. Uh, he was married with two children. He, he uh, was killed uh, on the northern border with Lebanon when there was an accident with a tank that overturned. Um, and he's a really interesting story because not only did his wife absolutely agree to uh, donate his organs, he had already been an altruistic kidney donor uh, earlier this year, just in June. And he actually needed uh, medical permission to uh, go into the reserves to fight. He even forgot he had done his his uh, donation, and his wife had to remind him to get medical clearance. So she said, of course, uh, you know, Naran had given a kidney. He's all for this. And uh, he's actually the third person in his extended family to have given an altruistic uh, kidney donation. The other story I want to mention is Staff Sergeant Yohonatan Samo. Very touching story. His parents agreed to donate all his um, major organs, his heart, his lungs, his liver, uh, and his kidneys. 
And uh, they were able to meet with the recipients of two of the organs just the other week. Uh, his parents, Ayelet and Moshe, visited Balinson Hospital to meet the recipient of their son's heart. And there's a lovely picture of Ayelet listening to a steth- to the heart through a stethoscope. And uh, they also went uh, very nearby to Schneider Children's Hospital to meet with um, a little girl named Tehila and her mother. Tehila was born with a very serious congenital liver disease, had already had surgery uh, that apparently was not enough and was in dire need of a transplant, and a lobe of Yohanatan Samo's liver was transplanted into little Tihila, and she's recovering well. And there's also another lovely picture of Ayelet Samo with Tihila's mother uh, together with the little baby at Schneider's. Their legacy lives on. Renee, thank you so much for joining me today. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Please check out another episode tomorrow. This episode was produced by Ben Wallach. If you have any questions or comments about this or other episodes, please drop us an email to podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, shalom. Shalom.